me are thankful for our young adults. Amen. 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 Thankful for uh, young people that are sold out to the kingdom of God. And uh, I urge you that every chance you get, pat them on the back. Let them know how proud you are of them. And that they're living for God in a day where it's not necessarily easy for young adults to be being pulled in every which direction. And uh, so let them know how proud you are of the job that they are doing living for God. I want to speak to you tonight uh, for just a few minutes. Uh, I, I'm speaking to you t- tonight because Pastor and uh, Sister Jordan are ministering in Missouri. And, uh, and, and in two days is their anniversary, so they're staying a little extra long and uh, spending some time together for their anniversary. And uh, we wish them well, and we send our prayers with them. And I know that you'll be uh, praying for God's protective hand upon them. And we're looking forward to having them back on Sunday. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to safe travel for them. Uh, I'd like to draw your attention to Luke chapter 5. And uh, something that got a hold of me a couple of weeks ago, I was, so I was scheduled to preach on the Sunday where everything blew up, and uh, so I uh, believe that, I, that God laid a word on my heart, and I want to share that with you tonight, uh, if I may. So Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse number 29. The Word of God says, And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He said, it's not the ones that are not sick in their body. It's not the ones that uh, have not infirmity that needs a physician, but it's those who have a situation in their body and in their life that need a doctor. And so I want to speak to you for the next few moments on this subject. I'm not really going to teach. I'm just going to share what I, what's on my heart tonight. So I hope that's okay. But I want to preach to you or speak to you from this title, Getting the Attention of God. How many want the attention of the Lord? How many want God's attention that when we're going through something in life or when things are about as bad as we think that they can get, we, we want God's attention in our situation. We want God to look at us and to recognize where we're at and what we have need of. So I want to talk to you about that tonight. Uh, there is something called the law of attraction, and that law is simply that like attracts like. Or have you ever heard the saying that birds of a feather flock together? The law of attraction is belief is as a belief that by focusing on positive or negative thoughts, that a person can bring either positive, positive or negative experiences into their lives. Now, people uh, people are cashing in on this left and right. 
uh, authors are making millions of dollars off of self, self-help books where they teach us the power of positive thinking. Actually, Norman Vincent Peale wrote a book. If you're interested, you can buy it on Amazon for $6.99. I don't know if you are. But it's entitled just that, The Power of Positive Thinking. And he, he teaches or he talks about rather achieving a constructive and optimistic attitude through constant positive influence of conscious thought, consequently achieving a higher satisfaction and a higher quality of life. Authors are getting rich by the droves by, by cashing in on man's uh, desire to change their course of life. Or they say that, you know, I, I think that with a positive attitude, my life could just completely turn around. That's what man wants. See, because man is attracted to the belief or the idea of a better life. And if your husband in this place or your father uh, in this house, uh, our human nature is to be attracted to the idea of being able to make more money because we want to give our kids everything and our, our spouse everything that they desire. We're attracted to the idea of a bigger, more attractive house or we're attracted to the idea of a nicer car, a bigger car, a more expensive car, when in reality what we are attracted to is making our neighbors envious with what we have. Now, my, my neighbor is my mother-in-law. I'm trying to make her envious with what I have. I've got a barking dog that she can have any time that she wants, but I know that she's envious about it. But we, are, we, we, try, we try to put on a facade or we try to make others want what we have. We think that if we drive... Uh, the nicer car, if we have the nicer suit or the nicer dress on, that everybody will just think that our life's excellent. We think that everybody will look at us and say, oh, man, that's a, that's a guy or that's a, that's a lady that has it, has it all together. And we think that somehow that someone might want to be who we are. Or we might, they might want the life that we try to perceive that we have. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? We brought this thinking, however, into the church because we have convinced ourselves that God is attracted to or He cares about uh, what we care about in our flesh. We, that we think that He cares about what we can achieve in life or what we can have or all the materials, material possessions when in fact what we are attracted, are attracted to does not even turn the head of God. God's not concerned with what name brand suit that you have or you don't have or how big your house is. And he, he doesn't care. I hate to break it to you, but He doesn't care what kind of car you drive or what kind of cars are parked in your driveway. But what, God, what gets God's attention or what God is attracted to is simply a need. He doesn't care about all the other things. He doesn't care about how talented you are or how good you can sing or how good you can preach. or He doesn't care what your last name is or what side of the tracks you come from. All God cares about is that you have a need in your life that He can step in your situation and He can work and He can completely turn your life around. That's what gets the attention of God. God wants His church 
but rather he wants to unlock in his church this, this idea of attraction by creating within man a need. He wants to create in us a need that would cause us to be dependent on him. We think, we try to act like, we come to church and we try to act like that we have need of nothing. And we try to act like that we have life figured out and we've got the bull by the horns and, and we've, we've got everything uh, just right and just so. We, we try to tie our tie just right. We don't want it crooked because we don't want everybody to think that we're crazy. And we've got to have our, our clothes to fit just right. And it's gotta, everything's got to match. Everything's got to look good because we want our neighbor to think that we've got it all together. Am I alone in here? I know. If you, I'm glad you said no because you'd be lying in the house of God. That's all we need tonight. But we, 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 we want to act like that, that we don't have need of anything. And we don't, we don't want anybody to see any kind of weakness in us. So we don't want them to think that we have any needs in our life. But what God is trying to get us to realize is that he is not drawn to the gifted and the talented. That's us. We are. We're drawn to that. He's not drawn to good music and to good singing. We are. We, as humans, we're drawn to that. And he's not drawn. He's only drawn to one thing. And what he is saying is, as if, as if I can find a need, then I'm getting ready to show up in somebody's life. You don't have to be the, the best soloist. You don't have to be the best Sunday school teacher in the church. You don't, you don't even have to be a, a, a musician or a ministry leader. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't, you don't have to have, the, have had the Holy Ghost for 50 or more years to get God's attention. But all you have to do to get his attention is have a need in your life. And God says that where a need is, I will show up because I can't resist my children having a need in their life. I need them to be dependent on me and me be the father figure and step in and work everything out for them. That's what he's trying to tell us. Some of you are, are, are maybe even wondering, uh, God, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to get you to show up in my situation? What do I have to do to get you to, to heal my body? Or what do I have to do, God, to get you to, to save my kids? What do I have to do? Well, God's just simply saying, but bring me the hurting or bring me the messed up. Bring me the, the dysfunctional. If you fill my house with problems, then I'll fill my house with my presence. And God's saying, just admit to me. Just admit to everybody that you have a need because that is exactly what gets the attention of God. The prophet Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 3 simply said, make this valley full of ditches or, or make this valley full of pits. And he said, you won't see the rain coming, or you, nor will you see the lightning, or nor will you hear the thunder, or nor will you feel the wind. There will be no explanation of why the water showed up. But God said, give me a need and I will give you the miraculous. Well, you have to understand this setting, the Moabites. The Moabites were coming against, they rebelled rather against Israel. In Israel, the three nations, three kings went to, went to, were going to go into battle with the Moabites. And so they went into the valley. And when they got in the valley on a seven-day journey, 
they realized that there was no water for them or their cattle to drink, and they didn't know if they would be able to survive. So they found the man of God. They went to the prophet and said, would you please hear from God for us? And the prophet come back and said, make this valley full of ditches. And, and God brought water, and God, God provided their need, and he moved in their situation. But it was not only f- to sustain their life, but what, what happened in all of that is that the next morning, when the Moabites heard that the kings were coming to war against them, they gathered around, and they gathered on the hills, and they, and they looked down into the valley in the morning. And Sister Nancy, the sun had, had, had risen, and it was shining on this great multitude of water. And they saw it as red water, and they said, there is, there is blood in the valley. Surely those kings have turned against each other, and they've, slow, they've slew one of another. Let us go into the camp of the Israelites, and let us receive the spoil. And... They went into the camp of the Israelites thinking that the kings were dead, thinking that it was all safe, and they were going to rob the camp, and they were going to take what they wanted. But as soon as they entered into the camp of the Israelites, the Israelites, the three kings, rose up and they slew the Moabites. God moved in their situation. Not only did he provide water for them, not only did he provide life, but he, prov- he delivered the Moabites into their hand and they were able to, sl- to slay the Moabites there in their own camp because God provided the water. Not only did it sustain their life, but it also, it also tricked the Moabites into coming into their camp and God delivered them into their hands. Listen, if you're going to receive blessings in your life, you must first prepare room for the blessing. There has to be room. There has to be preparation that takes place in order for God to show up and to bless your life. So what God is telling us tonight and what God wants to tell the church is that He said, I don't care. I don't care if you've got it all together. I don't care uh, how talented you are. I don't care how good you can sing. I don't care if you're in the choir. I don't care if you're a musician. I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher. But what he really cares about is what he is saying is give me the alcoholic or give me the drug addict. Give me the one who has cancer in their body. Bring me the need and I will bring the solution. He is saying, I will show up anytime that there is a need because it is what I am drawn to. Well, someone may be in this place saying tonight, well, that's great, Pastor Danny, but I don't have a need in my life. I don't have need of anything. But let me submit to you tonight that It could be that your needlessness just might be the thing that's tying God's hands and preventing Him from doing what He wants to do in your life. Be careful in saying that. Be careful in being the one that says, I don't have a need because God might just walk by you in order to get to someone who has a need. All throughout the Scripture, God showed up, Jesus showed up wherever the need was. And what does that tell me? That he didn't necessarily pay attention, too much attention rather, to those that weren't in need because that's not what his attention was drawn to, but his attention, he couldn't help that any time that there was a situation or any time there was a need, that's when he was, he was moved with compassion 
And that's when, he, that's when we see in Scripture that he always stepped in and moved where there was a need. The wedding in Cana of Galilee. He was not even... He, wasn't, he even told, his, he told Mary that, woman, well, my time has not come yet. But he couldn't help but move in the midst of a need. You think about any time that he was, he was uh, met with a need on, on a road of his traveling. When they came to him and said, and said my, my daughter's dying. My daughter's sick and she's dying. And he went from where he was to that place where the need was. Why? Because that's what he's attracted to. That's what gets the attention of God. It's not how good we are. It's not how talented we are. It's the fact that we have need of him. It's not that we are just the the greatest saint in the world, but it's the fact that we are all just sinners that are saved by grace that gets the attention of God because he knows that we cannot take our next breath without his help. We can't do anything without Him. We can't can't go to bed tonight and wake up without Him allowing us to wake up. So we say that we don't have a need when really we rely on Him for everything that we do. Our next breath comes from Him. Our our next meal is provided for Him. The next paycheck that we, we, we receive is because that He provided us a job. We all have need of the Lord. Whether or not we like to admit it, we all need Him. He already knows that everybody, all mankind has a need. But we're not always that honest about it. We won't often say that we have a need, but we act as though we don't have any at all. You see, give me a person who refuses to admit that they have a need, then I'll show you someone who can sit through a service like we had Sunday night and through a powerful move of God and never engage in what God's wanting to do in your life. But you give me a person that has a real need in their life, they have sickness in their body, then I'll show you someone who starts worshiping as soon as the first chord is struck on the keyboard or as soon as the first note is sung from the praise team, that they engage in what God is wanting to do in their life. They're the first one to respond, and they're the last one to leave the altar when altar service is over. Those are the people that have a need. What is it about them? It's because they have need and they are desperate to get a hold of God. they, They don't care what everybody else thinks. They don't care what you say about them. They don't care if you even make fun of them. That's of no concern to them. All they're concerned about is getting His attention. And all they're concerned about is what He thinks and how He feels about their situation. Those are the people that will engage in a service. And those are the people that will worship like there may never be another service in their life. And why is that? Because they are only concerned with getting the attention of God. They're saying, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care if I'm the only one worshiping. I have a need and I know that God is going to show up 
and He's going to show out. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But I tell you one thing, I'm going to respond like He's going to do it today. I don't care how dark and hopeless it may look right now. Because my Bible says that weeping may endure for just a night. But listen, you can rest assured that joy is coming in the morning. Would you clap your hands and give God praise for that? It's not enough for us to want God, but we have to need God. Where there is need, there will be desperation to get a hold of God. There will be something that arises in our lives. There will be something that will happen to us. It will consume us. We'll be desperate about getting His attention. How many in this place, and you can raise your hand, and nobody's going to judge you, But how many of you ever come to a service with a need and say, I've got to get a hold of God tonight? And if you will allow yourself to remember back to that particular service, maybe maybe it's a particular service or maybe it was a particular need that, that stands out in your mind. But if you remember that you probably came into this house and you worshiped like you hadn't worshiped before. And, you, and there was a desperation that was in your heart that's saying, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care how far I have to go or how long I have to pray, but I am going to get a hold of God tonight. And maybe you can't say that that need or that situation changed in that instant, or maybe it didn't change in that night, but maybe it, maybe it all started with that service, or maybe it all started in that night when you got desperate to get a hold of God. I remember uh, 1988, in February 1988, everybody else had the Holy Ghost but me. All my friends, even Jason, that was a miracle. I don't understand how that... <laughs> Everybody else, my cousin, my cousin Rich, who I often refer to as Assistant Jesus, he, uh, he had the Holy Ghost. And I was the only one. And I remember I would run to the drums at altar service to try to keep from seeking God, to try to seek the Holy Ghost. And I, and I would do everything that I could to, to just kind of take the focus off of that. But I, I, I remember a service, a Sunday night in particular, where I was desperate to get the Holy Ghost. I thought, God, I, I, I need the Holy Ghost. I need you in my life. I, I need you to fill me with your spirit. And I remember altar service was going on and it was dying down. And everything was just about over. And something in me hit me, Sister Nancy. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, I've got to have it tonight. And I, I remember walking down the center aisle and I was in this pew where Sister, Sister Paula is sitting right here. And I I remember different ones. Some of you are here tonight and some that prayed with me that night are not even in church today. But I remember people gathering around me and, and laying their hands on me. And I, I, there's one thing that was different about every other night that I prayed. I, I was willing to pray all night if I had to. I was willing to, to pray as long as it took. It, I guess it was for the top of you, that would be one of those Tarian services. It's however long it took, I was willing to, to give it everything that I got in order for God to fill me with the Holy Ghost. And I, I can't, I'm not going to tell you that it took to midnight. I'm not going to tell you that it took 
20, 30 minutes, but it was in no time at all in this pew. God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost because I prayed like I had never prayed before and I sought Him like I'd never sought Him before because there was a desperation that arose in me and said, I don't care. I don't care if, if, if I have to stay all night and I don't care what someone has to say about it, but I've got to get a hold of God tonight. I've got to have Him tonight. How many times... Have we come into a service with a need in our lives? And we haven't had that kind of desperation. But we just kind of went through service and said, Would you pray for me? i got a need in my life. And not really getting desperate with it because we never really, probably never expected God to do anything in the first place. But how many opportunities have we missed? How many services have we walked out of this building Carrying that same need when God was in our midst saying, would you just give it to me? Would you just, would you just offer that need to me? But no, we don't want to admit it. So we, we sit in a pew, white-knuckled, trying not to be moved because we were concerned with what someone might think. I don't want anybody to think that I've created any... How many times has the preacher said... Would you come? The altars are open, but we didn't go because we were afraid that someone, someone would think that we're a low-down sinner. So we set through a moving of the Spirit when God's saying, I want to touch you tonight. I, I want to heal you tonight. I, I want to provide for you tonight. But no, God, I, not tonight because I'm not desperate enough. I'm not willing to let anybody know that I have need of anything in my life. You see, God's not drawn to full, but God's drawn to empty. God's not attracted to what is right. He's not attracted to what someone might think, but He's attracted to what is wrong. He's not attracted, He's not concerned with fix, but He seeks out the broken. God's word to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 was simply, I'm not going to remove that, that thorn from your flesh. Paul said, I asked the Lord to remove it three times. I prayed that He would remove it three times, but instead of fixing him, God let him keep the need that caused Paul to be reliant upon the Lord. He said, I, I'm going to let you keep your need because that's what I'm drawn to. That's, that's what I am concerned about. Because he said, for, for, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Listen, that is what God cares about the most, is that we are reliant on Him. Is that we not try to figure it out or work it out by ourselves, but that we say, we get to a point where we just throw up our hands and say, God, I can't do it anymore. God, I can't fix it. I've tried everything. I've tried to fix it. And I've tried to do it on my own, God, but I've made a mess. And God's saying, that's exactly where I need you to be, knowing that I'm the only one that can move on your situation or I'm the only one that can take your life. That's a mess. And I'm the only one that can straighten it out and fix it and make it something that's worthy for my kingdom. See, there are too many that think that we're strong enough and we don't need God. We think that we can do it by ourselves. 
but we receive His strength when we admit that we are weak and that we need Him. Too often we allow peer pressure and what others think to keep us from admitting our need for God. I know it sounds so elementary, but this is what we do. We've become good at this. We've become professionals in not letting anybody see any weakness in our lives. We've become so accustomed to coming service after service in a well-pressed suit or a well-pressed dress and hair fixed just right. and We want our car to be clean because we don't want anybody to know that your car looks like mine. We want to pull up to the, to the door and open the door and everybody get the, the scent of armor all. And we, want, we want to be able to stick our feet outside the door or the top of you and just slide off the seat because it's so slick with armor all. You know, you've done it. You've all about broke your neck doing that. and I'm not the only one. But we've become so good at putting on a facade for everybody. I don't need anything. I've got everything. I've got the world by the coattail. I've got I've, everything's, everything's good, man. I've, all my bills are paid. I've got food on the table. My kids have the latest and greatest gadgets. They, have, they all have iPads, and, they, and we want, to think that every, want everybody to think that we have just got it together. What a tragedy that we allow that sort of thinking that we, we want everybody else to, to, to see this facade, but really inside we're dying. And inside we're broken, we're a mess. Our, our, our relationships are, are on the rocks and our, our kids are acting up. And I, you can't take them anywhere, you can't take them to a restaurant without taking them into the bathroom and putting the fear of God in them two or three times. But you understand what I'm saying. We want everybody to think that everything is something that it's not. When on the inside, we're just a mess. And we have needs and we have sickness and we have, we have broken relationships and we have, we have family problems and all these things that are going on, the, going on in our lives. But we want everybody else to think that everything is just, my car's clean. My house is clean. My kid's carrying his iPad to church. Now everybody thinks that our family's rich and we can buy anything. But inside, we're just a mess and we're crying out, God, would you please help me? But God's saying no, because you're trying to act like everything is just fine. You're trying to act like that you have need of nothing in it. Not, you, you try to act that way in public, but it's spilling over to your home and you, and you don't spend any time praying. You don't, you don't pray over your family and you don't, you don't ask God's thoughts about the decisions that you make. And you act like that you've got it all figured out. And so, no, I'm not going to move in your situation. And we wonder why we struggle day in and day out and week after week and month after month and year after year with the same problem when God is just sitting there looking at us saying, would you just 
bring me your need. Would you quit worrying about what everybody else thinks and just be concerned with what I think? Or would you just be concerned with getting a hold of me? Because this, the moment that you do, I'll show up and I will work a miracle in your life. I'll heal your body. I'll, I'll provide for you. I'll put, I'll put food on your table. Here's, here's the kicker. You want to know the kicker? We worry about what everybody else thinks. But the next time you get to that point, you think of that certain person that you're wanting to impress, and you think when was the last time they give you any money for gas? Tell me the last time that they ever paid your house payment. But we're so concerned with what they think that we allow that attitude or that, that facade to creep up and keep us from what God is wanting to do in our lives. I'm not saying don't be concerned. I'm not, I'm not saying go pay your friend's house payment. That's not what I'm saying. If you want to pay mine, that's fine. We don't have to be friends if that's what it takes. But no, I'm kidding. But we're so concerned with what they think that we just carry that need around day after day. Year after year, when God is just saying, if you'll just admit that you need me, if you would just admit, if you just get desperate enough to do whatever that you have to do and look however you have to look or act however you have to act just to get my attention, if you get to that point, then I'll show up and I'll work everything out for your good. But we allow the peer pressure. We allow, we allow these thoughts to keep us from admitting our need for God. We're more concerned about our, in, our, our image than we are getting victory over our flesh. But the last time that I checked, there's no person in this building, as much as I love everyone here, there's no person in this building that can give me victory over my sins. There's nobody here in this place that can, that can take my habits away or that can erase my past mistakes. I, 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 I don't really, I'm not really concerned with what someone else thinks. They can't wash me in their blood. They can't remove my sins. They can't empower me. But I know one who can. I know one who can, who can step in and do all those things in my life. So why would I not be concerned about what he thinks? Why would I not be concerned with getting his attention in my darkest hour? Paul said, therefore, after he prayed three times to the Lord to remove it, he said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Most often our problem is that God wants to keep us in need. He wants to keep us dependent upon Him. But we don't want to be dependent upon Him. God wants us to have to rely on Him. 
but we're too busy trying to make everybody think that I can just take care of everything on my own. The children of Israel followed a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night because they had a need. God gave them manna daily. But here was the, here was the, the catch to that. They could only take what they needed to get them through that day because it wouldn't last till the next. So every day that they woke up, they had a need in their life. They needed God to provide food for them and for their families. And they needed the soles of their shoes to not wear out. And they, they had to, every day that they woke up, they needed God to work in their life. And here's what I want to tell you tonight. If you let God meet your need, then He may just put you right back in need tomorrow. But don't cry about it and don't complain about it. But let it increase your faith in the Lord because if He did it before, then He can surely do it again. If He met your need today, then I can tell you that He will meet your need tomorrow. Every day that we wake up, we need Him. But we just need to admit it. God, I need you today. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try to, to chart the course of my own life. And I'm not going to try to work everything out on my own. But God, I'm relying on you today. God, you order my steps today. God, you lead me to someone that I can tell about your goodness. Or you lead me some, to someone that I can witness to and invite them to church. God, I need you to help me today. I read a funny story, a prayer. A man prayed, got up in the morning or, or during the day, and he said, God, it's been a good day for me. Lord, I, I haven't, haven't caused any alt against my brother. I haven't caused anybody to have ill feelings towards me. I haven't I haven't griped at anybody today. I haven't told anybody what I think. And I haven't, haven't had road rage today. And, and uh, it's just been a good day, God. I, I, I haven't sinned today. I, I really ha I haven't taken your name in vain. I haven't done any of this. It's been a good day. Then he said, but God, I'm going to be getting out of bed in just a few minutes. And I'm going to need your help from then on out. It's funny. But what happened to, to waking up first thing in the morning and said, God, I, I, can't even, I can't even get out of bed without you helping me. God, I, I don't even want to start my day without spending some time with you because I have need of you today. God, I can't, I can't do it on my own. I'm, I, I, I need your help on my job, God. I need, you, I need, your, I need your help in, my, in my, my, my relationship with my spouse today. God, help me to be the Christian that you want me to be. I pray with Aiden every morning I take him to school. And uh, we, I, I pray for protection. But, I, but I, then I also say, and Aiden expects it now, if I get in the car and the radio's on, he says, Dad, turn down the radio, we've got to pray. So I pray and we pray and I say, God, let Aiden be a good example of a Christian today. God, let, let others see you in his life today. God, let, give him favor 
with his teacher and his classmates. God, anoint this day. Ordain it. Bless it, God. Let it be a great day for Aiden. When's the last time that we woke up and still laying on the pillow and say, God, bless this day. Ordain it and anoint it. Order my steps. God, let me be an example to somebody today. Let my light so shine today that others would see your, your goodness and your mercy in my life. But no, we wake up and we say, I've had, I've had the Holy Ghost long enough and I, I pretty much know what to do. I know what to stay away from and I know what not to do. I know, I know where not to go. And we think that we're, we're doing good by avoiding places or we're thinking that we're doing good by avoiding certain people and, and, and avoiding certain kinds of speech and talk. And we just go on, Brother Alfonso, and we just, we just live our lives, but we've never really admitting that we need God today. I, I just know. It's, it's like I've, grow, I've grown up in church. I know when to clap my hands. I know when to lift my hands. I, I know what to do. I know how to act. And in my life, in my walk with God, I know the things to do. And I know things that I shouldn't do. But that doesn't mean that when I don't do those things, that I'm even relying on God. I just know that I don't need to do that. I just know that I'm just going to stay away from that. But I've got to wake up every morning and say, God, I need you today. God, I need your help. Order my steps. Light my path. Let your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Hallelujah. Admitting that we need him. Blind Bartimaeus, we know this story in the, in the Bible. He's blind from birth. He's sitting by a roadside one day. Here's a commotion. He asked somebody, what's going on? Jesus is coming. Who, who's coming? Jesus is coming down the road. Be quiet. Jesus, hey, isn't that the guy that I've read about? He's healing all manner of diseases. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy, but you just need to be quiet. He's getting ready to pass by. Oh, okay, so that, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, and the Bible says that he cried out, Jesus, my son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to shut him up, but the more that they tried to quiet him, the more that he spoke out, the more that he cried out. Listen, it wasn't that Bartimaeus had this great faith, but it was the fact that Bartimaeus had a need in his life that got God's attention. And he was so desperate. He didn't care what the disciples said. They didn't, he didn't care that they were telling him to be quiet. All he knew is that he had a need and there was one walking down the road that he heard that could meet his needs. So he cried out to the Lord, God, I need you today. Heal my body. I've heard what you've done. God, if I know if you did it for them, that you can do it for me. There's a desperation that rose up in him that said, I don't care what somebody thinks. I don't care that they tell me to be quiet. You can tell me all you want to. You can tell me to sit in my pew and not go to the altar all you want to. 
You can tell me, well, now it's not really appropriate. It's a Wednesday night, and, and we don't do that. You, you can tell me that all you want to, but if I come into this place and I have a need, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't care if it's a Sunday morning. I don't care if it's a Wednesday night, but if I've got a need in my life, then I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get the attention of God and say, God, I need you today. God, I need you to work in my life today. The woman with the issue of blood. And I'm closing with this tonight. The woman with the issue of blood. She had it for such a long time. The Bible tells us that she spent everything that she had. She gave her last dollar to the doctors. And they couldn't cure her of anything. The Bible says she was where Jesus was at. And that she got so desperate for healing. She got so desperate to get a touch from God that she was willing to do what nobody else was willing to do. She got on her hands and knees and she crawled through the crowd. I don't know. I know that the Middle East is hot. That's all I know. I've never been there. I know it's a lot of desert place. I can just imagine just dry, dusty, filthy ground. And a multitude of people, maybe it was hot and maybe they were sweating and sweat was dripping off, running down their face and dripping off their chin and, and dripping onto the, the dusty ground and making it wet and making it little muddy spots. Or I know they wore sandals, maybe their feet were sweating. I know that sounds disgusting, but this lady was so desperate to get to where he was that she crawled through no telling what kind of filth all next to people's feet and through a crowd of people to get to where Jesus was to just touch the hem of his garment. Because there's something in her that said, if I could just touch him, if I could just get to where he was. I'm sure people, I'm sure people ridiculed her. I'm sure people... Now, probably there were some there that would, when she bumped into them, they kicked her. Get away from me, lady. What are you doing? You're making a fool out of yourself. But she pressed on. She crawled on until she got to where Jesus was. Jesus said, who touched, who touched me? Disciples said, Master. They're bumping into everybody. People have been bumping into you all day long. Why would you ask who touched you? He said, no, 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 no. This is different because I felt virtue leave my body. And as the sea of people parted, here's this lady, filthy, covered from head to toe in dust and filth. He said, you touched me. And I, I can imagine, I... I the Bible doesn't really say. Imagine her apologizing. Master, I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm sorry to bother you, but I've been to every doctor. I've done everything that I know to do. I'm desperate, God. And he said, your faith has made you whole. And that day, she received her healing. What doctors couldn't do. What no amount of money could do for her. 
was done by Jesus because she was desperate. She had a need in her life, and God is attracted to needs. I close. Stand with me tonight. But what I want to tell you is don't let, I want to challenge you rather, don't let the naysayers, don't let the people that are hollering at you, telling you not to cry out, or the people that saying don't, don't go to the altar tonight. People are going to think that you're, that you're committing all these great sins. Don't let those people keep you from getting desperate enough to do whatever it takes to get to where Jesus is. I, you, 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 we talked about people that don't have any needs. I can imagine that those that told Bartimaeus to hush up were probably guys that felt that they didn't have any needs in their lives. People that ridiculed the woman with the issue of blood were probably the same people that didn't want anybody to know that they had need of anything. The church in Laodicea, the Lord said, I have all against you because you are increased and you have need of nothing. He said, you're neither... Hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. God's not concerned. He doesn't care anything about our self-righteous attitudes. Saying that I've got it all together. I've had the Holy Ghost long enough. I've, I've got it. I know what to do. I know how to act. I know what not to do. God's not concerned with any of that. God doesn't even really care if you've had the Holy Ghost for 50 or 70 years. Listen, I, I'm sorry to tell you, but that doesn't give us a free ride anywhere. But what God is concerned about and what gets God's attention is that we wake up every day and say, God, I need you today. I know you, I know you touched me yesterday. I know you provided my need yesterday. But God, this is a brand new day. This is a new day, and this is a brand new need. I know you touched me yesterday, but God, I need you to touch me again today. God, I know you touched me last Sunday, but God, on this Wednesday night, I need you to touch me again. God, I know you ordered my steps yesterday, but God, I need you to order my steps today. I need you to cover me with your blood today because yesterday's blessing just won't do. But I need a fresh touch from you today. Would you just raise your hands where you're at right now and would you just call out to the Lord? Come on, would you just take a few moments and be, be real transparent with Him and you, you don't have to say it out loud, but just let the Lord know, God, I need you today. God, I need you to work in my life today. God, I need you to heal me today. I need you to touch me today, God. I need you to order my steps today, Lord. God, I pray for everyone in this building right now. God, we all have need of you. Whether or not we admit it, we all need you today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would touch each and every one. God, help us to be reliant on you, God. Keep us in need of you, God. Never let us get puffed up in ourselves, God. Never let us get built up in ourselves, God. But let us always recognize our need for you. God, go with us from this place. God, go to our homes where we need you tonight. 
God, work in our families where we need you tonight. God, protect us while we sleep tonight because it's a time that we need you, God, and wake us up tomorrow knowing, God, that we need you to order our steps and we need you to direct our, our path, God. Lead us and guide us. God, work in our lives.